Hey, it's Jose Galison. This is No Way Jose. You can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel. You can also find me on all the major podcatchers and Odyssey as well. Today, my guest is Jason Rink. Uh, today, uh, if you were watching this on the 26th, this is a live stream. If not, you'll be watching it later when I release as a numbered episode. So if you're here, awesome. Be sure to join in, you know, drop, drop chats. I see uh, some people I know in there already. Uh, don't dox me, guys. Those are some of my coworkers. Um, but, um, this said there's a live stream. Uh, if you want to be able to have access to the link, even in that, like in between time of, uh, between the live and the, uh, when I drop as a numbered episode, make sure to become a patron at no way Jose, uh, uh or patreon.com. So it's no way Jose 2020. I screwed that up. Um, for my patrons, those guys, I'll give them a little code and, uh, that way I can prioritize their chats. If they drop it in the chat, I'll know it's them. Uh, super chats as well. You guys will get priority. But uh, with this one, I'm, I'm gonna definitely going to any any good questions I'm going to try to uh, bring up because uh, this is one that I definitely want some audience involvement on this one. Um, today we will be covering uh, election fraud, January 6th, and a little bit of internet censorship because uh, my guest today, as I said, Jason Rink, he he's a documentary filmmaker and he's doing two, working on two right now, uh, specifically on January 6th and uh, the election fraud. And yeah, uh, as always, I like I said, I like money. So if you want to give me that, patreon.com slash no way jose 2020. Uh, also go check out Top Lobster, he's the one who, who does, does all like my brand stuff, all my thumbnails. Um, uh, you know, he's got sweet merch at toplobster.com. I'm wearing a Top Lobster shirt right now, I'm wearing the Ron Paul High and Liberty one. I'm unfortunately not high right now because I need to be cognizant and actually do an interview. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and bring in Jason. What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, what's hey. going on, man? That <laughs> intro is sweet. <laughs> yeah, I've had to like do like five different reiterations because they keep flagging me for copyright. But I think we <laughs> finally made enough of an alteration to where it won't ding it. So, you know, I, we, we got to work. <laughs> nice. <laughs> which which uh, I mean, whatever. If you get hit for copyright, all it means is that you don't get ad monetization, which is like nothing right. in YouTube. Yeah. So like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a few a few cents this year out. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> oh, well, well. cool, man. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm super excited, and I, I love talking about all things liberty and yeah. uh, talking about myself too is really my favorite topic. But no, yeah, it's but, pretty uh, easy to talk about that. Yeah, I got gotcha. right. But yeah, no, I appreciate uh, it, man. Thank you. Oh no problem. Uh, yeah, this will be this will be. If anyone does my channel in, it'll probably be this one. Uh, we if we add in like vaccine talk, that that'll do it. That maybe that'll be the trifecta, you know. But yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I think I have a small enough channel where I fly into the radar, so so we'll see. Uh, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience, that'd be great. Just give you a little quick intro, and I'm sure we'll talk more yeah. about you as well. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll let people know. Um, I uh, I got involved in, you know, Ron Paul 2007 was sort of my red pill moment into libertarianism, into liberty. Um, I was involved in Ron Paul's campaign in, in 08. Uh, I was running like the Columbus, Ohio meetup back then. Um, and was just all in for Ron Paul. And then um, when he didn't win, <laughs> and we all thought he was going to, you know, I don't know, we, were, we, we thought it was going to happen. Um, I ended up uh, being a part of an organization that sort of morphed into like a Tea Party organization uh, in Ohio after that. So it was like the Tea Party thing happened, a bunch of Ron Paulers. We were like, hey, maybe we can influence them to be like, Ron Paul type Republicans. And, uh, you know, quickly that kind of crashed and burned and got taken over by, you know, uh, GOP insiders and establishment people and all that. And so after that, um, I ended up 
starting a production company, um, going to work for a production company in Austin, Texas, a company called Emergent Order, which was behind the Canes versus Hayek rap videos that many people have seen. Um, and uh, so for the last 10, 11 years, either working for really cool people who produce liberty-oriented content or building my own company here in Austin, Texas, um, you know, done a lot of work in, in the liberty space. But then I took a few years off to just build my company, make money, hire employees, because liberty uh, content doesn't pay very well. And um, so I needed to be able to fund that stuff on my own. And that led me to essentially what happened uh, last year when I decided to start making a documentary uh, on the election uh, last November. And, and then madness has ensued since then. Cool. We'll definitely touch on that. But I, I, I watched for those who aren't aware, you recently did a, uh, an episode on a Buck uh, Buck show, Buck Johnson of the Current Flow podcast, which I mean, following that up is a rough task. He's an amazing interviewer. So uh, <laughs> I'm hoping to put my own flair to be in, and do my own thing. But it, it definitely you should go check out that episode uh, that and just go check out Buck in general. He's, he's great. Yeah. But uh, he, he you guys went into a little bit of your background and I just thought some of that was interesting and, and led to good conversation there. I saw that you were in the banking uh, industry for a while and uh, you, you brought up that you like you like you wanted you got out because you wanted to be like more consistent. And uh, I mean, that, that rings true to me. I just uh, a few months ago got out of active duty military. And even then, I'm not going to dox myself. But even then, I'm still trying to like decouple myself uh, from the system uh, to some extent. So and ironically, in you know, in modern times, it's like that's borderline impossible considering our. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> shit. I mean, even like, you know, like just with like tech, you know, like everything's pervaded by the government to some extent. It's essentially like we were all worried about communism, you know for yeah. the past like few decades but it's uh, uh, fascism kind of snuck up on us so yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I, if you want to talk on that a little bit <laughs> yeah well you know i i spent 10 years in commercial banking uh, i left in 2009 but what happened was while i was working at chase bank and it was leading into the freaking collapse of 08 um you know i started learning ron paul turned me on to the fed here i am in banking and what was interesting about being in banking is i worked with you know, businesses that did one to 50 million a year in business. I was working with other bankers and I got to this place where I realized I'm like, we're just salespeople. We just sell financial products. And then once I learned about the Fed, I'm like, oh no, we sell financial products. And like for the Fed, really, I was just like, this whole thing is a big racket. And so my, my, my eyes got open to that through Ron Paul. And then I had this moment where I was speaking at an end the Fed rally on the weekend. And then the next morning, uh, I would go into work and I'm like working, you know, for JP Morgan Chase. And I was like, this is not working out for me. And, and it all came to a head one time. We, we had a 10th ten, a Amendment rally at the Capitol in Ohio. And Judge Napolitano came out and spoke at it. And through a series of circumstances, he got me onto Greta Van Susteren's show afterwards. And you can find this cringy clip on YouTube still if you want to. But I go on her show and, you know, she sort of threw me under the bus, asked me what I did for a living. I tried to skirt the issue. And like the next day I go into Chase Bank and they like take my laptop. They issue a statement, no media without permission. And and I knew that my days were numbered there. And I was like, look, I can either pursue this great, like great career, which is like, you know, golden handcuffs. Or I could get back and and doing what I really want to do, which which I had gone to film school out of high school. I just never got in the industry. And I was like, I want to make content and I want to do something that moves the needle for liberty. And I was like, I got to get out of here. So 
I had an opportunity to come. I got recruited to run a nonprofit libertarian, a libertarian nonprofit down here in Austin, Texas in, um, in 2009. Is that when I came down? Yeah. And um, it was out of that that then I was like, all right, you know, someone's paying me to do liberty stuff, which was a great like blessing. You know, most people don't get that. And it was through that that I ended up meeting Michael Bolden and Tom Woods. And we produced my first film called Nullification, The Rightful Remedy, which is, you know, eight or nine years old at this point. And it was literally the first film I ever made. I used Costco's return policy to finance my camera for it because I didn't have any really a lot of money. And I kept I got a camera and then I returned it within 90 days, got another one, got another one. So I didn't have to keep paying for for it. But um, anyway, so that was my hack to get my first uh, indie feature done. But uh, so that's where it all kind of started for me. And um, but yeah, striving to be have some sort of consistency in what you're doing in your work life. And then right now, getting to a place where you're like cancel proof, like, can I find a way to be able to still speak my mind to be my real name out in the world and like not be at risk? What does that mean? And it's uh, that's an important conversation, I think. And um, especially given what happened to me when I ended up losing my social media uh, here back in January. Yeah, we'll definitely touch on that. But it, it is ironic, ironic. Those two things kind of go hand in hand that a lot of people don't think about. And they're like, you know, when it, when it comes to, I don't know, like, uh, you know, g getting money or whatever or decoupling yourself from the system. It's like people don't also add that extra thing of like, like, yes, you want to do it for like moral reasons or whatever. But also there is an ad advantage to it as well, because, you yeah. know, I mean, we've seen with this past year with all the vax mandates and stuff like that. Like, I mean, if, if we had been if like say if I had for the past decade been working focusing on entrepreneurialism or stuff like that, I'd be in a position to where it wouldn't be an issue. But I mean, luckily I'm in Florida. So, I mean, maybe there'll be some advantages there, but that's not the case for everyone. And, you know, I understand I, I I'm, I'm very much of the thing that I don't think you should like, I mean, it's a balancing act. I don't think you should impoverish yourself for your principles, you know, <laughs> like, but at the same time, there is a, there's obviously a cost benefit analysis to be had. The, obviously the, uh, you know, then it's like, do my short term uh, needs outweigh my long term benefits? You know, like it is it is a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I want to say, too, that when I decided to make this decision, I was 35 years old. I had uh, my son was nine, you know, married, mortgage. Like I wasn't this like young guy, you know, with like, you know, oh, I can go live in my van. Like, you know, I, I did have like a lot of obligations and I and I was trying to carve out like some bit of security in the world. And so, you know, I really thought a lot about how to make that pivot strategically. And, um, you know, I definitely think that it's really valuable to be strategic in that pivot and to make sure that because I do believe that we need to develop and have wealth as as freedom minded people. I think that um, you know, and I agree with a lot of what Jason Stapleton says about this with wealth, power and influence, like, you know, We've got to do that. And then the other thing is, is it is 80% of my experience of life and liberty has a lot to do with just my own decisions. Am I happy with my work? Do, do I feel financially free? Am I not encumbered by, by a ton of debt? Do my family relationships bring joy for me? Do my friendships, my community, my tribe, am I living geographically in a place that values freedom and that I can have a sense of freedom? Like all of that stuff isn't really that affected by who's president you know now it's to the point where it's like well vax mandates and all this other stuff but it's like you can create freedom for yourself in a lot of domains that have nothing to do with 
who's voted into office. And uh, so I think that that's like the foundation of what we need to do. And then it's like from there, how can we then use our resources and freedom to then, you know, accelerate that? Yeah. Uh, I, I, another thing I want to touch on, I, I thought it was interesting. You uh, Were you a pastor at one point? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, was. <laughs> I was. I was. For three years, I was a, I was a pastor uh, in Cincinnati, started a church. And um, it, that was like before Ron Paul. So it was like, you know, part of my journey was, you know, I spent about seven years thinking that that's what I was going to do with my life. And I, I trained in ministry and then I went and I started a church and when I got into that, it was just way different than <laughs> I just realized pretty quickly that this wasn't was not really right for me because of a number of things. But one thing that did start to happen was as I started to go through like the Gospels and as I just was getting more in touch with like the teachings of Jesus, I started to question like Christian conservatism quite a bit. And I was like, you know, why are we sending like missionary money to like the Middle East, but we're also like blowing people up and we're cool with that, you know? And it was like, that was really the, that was a, a crack in, you know, my worldview. And again, that desire for like consistency. And I was like, yeah, this doesn't make sense. And so as I was on that journey and then Ron Paul was introduced and I was like, oh, this all started to make a lot of sense to me. And then, I, and it was through that, that experience that I really also understood like many of the anti-empire themes and anti-government themes that are seeded throughout the New Testament. And um, then through that process, I ended up partnering with a friend of mine, Norman Horn, and some other people launched an organization called the Libertarian Christian Institute, which has got hundreds of podcasts now that talk about sort of the connection or the integration of Christianity, Christian thought, and libertarian philosophy. Yeah, no, I, I, that's been something I've found as of late. Like, I'm no, I grew up like super religious. I, I grew up in the church is very conservative. I went to Christian school, everything, and there is very much that aspect of like, I mean, it's conservative, and you don't, you don't even, I mean, generic down the line, two thousands style conservative, and um, I had a, but uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I now I found later after I got out of church, I'm not really a believer anymore, but I found like you know people who interpret it through a different lens, like Christian anarchists, and I've I found that to be extremely interesting. And I mean, while I'm not a believer, I find there to be a lot of benefits in to religion, uh, and then especially from a you know liberty type perspective, and uh, so I'm, I'm definitely. I'm not like the angry atheist that, or I mean, I, there was right. a point in time when I was, but now, I mean, I'll just use whatever I can to get you where I want to be. And if that's one of those methods, and I do think there's something, we talked a little bit in the, uh, in before we started about how, like, you know, a lot, a lot of the, like the post libertarians are talking about, uh, uh, about the, the idea of like, do you want more libertarians or want more liberty? And there is something to, especially the church and just conservatives in general and having a fertile uh, a fertile place for liberty to grow or or possibly grow and i definitely see the church as being one of them uh and there's something to that for sure i mean because i mean once i found christian anarchism i was very well versed in the bible and stuff and that like really clicked i'm like this is a much more cohesive way to to interpret the bible i thought i don't know if you agree as well yeah. And, you know, it's important to recognize, you know, Murray Rothbard talks about this, not just in Anatomy of the State, but in other writings where he talks about how for for many, many years, centuries, like the church was this sort of uh, 
uh, apologist for the state, you know, like it, it was, it was a mouthpiece that helped keep people in line for, you know, the state, you know, all throughout history. And so there's always been this, this uncomfortable relationship, or there's been this temptation for the church to just be overtaken by statism and to be the servant of the state. And, you know, I think we've seen a lot of that in America, frankly, um, through the whole COVID thing. But the fact of the matter is, is that Rothbard also talks about how the the power of the church waned in that role and it kind of science kind of crept up and became that. And so I think that we're at a time now where like science has stepped in and scientism has stepped in as the secular religion that is now being used to prop up the state. And the church, um, in many cases, I think, is now becoming a countercultural force. You got to find the right the right groups of people. But I think you will find that 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 more uh, anti-establishment and even trending towards anarchist thought is seated in there. And it, it doesn't hurt that you can point to uh, things in the scriptures to enhance that viewpoint. Yeah, that's I've never connected those dots. Like, obviously, you know, I've I've. Did the, heard the lines or i've even talked myself about like science being a new religion but i've never thought of it as now they've kind of abandoned the old religion and now that might be to some extent what bites them in the ass because you know they left the old religion and now the old religion is starting to see back to its old ways um so yeah. there, there's definitely something to that yeah and the, and the, and that new religion is on a pretty shaky foundation, you know. It's like it's a foundation of government grants and like freaking, you know, bought and paid for lobbyists and you know, like our Congress people and lobbyists. And it's like it's like it isn't a very uh, good religion there. And you know, so we're seeing, I think, the cracks in that, which I think is is really useful. And uh, you know, yeah. I cheered on. I'd like to see the toppling of the religion of science, you know, and uh, as long as that makes way for more liberty. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels there because I'm I'm just thinking about that. Like I said, I've never heard that. But there's also the aspect of like you were bringing up the sciences on shaky ground. But you know they're proclaiming science as their new religion, but they're not even really actually you know coherent with the science. So <laughs> it's the same idea with you know the 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 Bible where you know the, it was their old the, the state's old religion that they leaned on, but they weren't even really consistent with that. Yep. So. There's yep. definitely they're, they're, they use what they can to their own advantage, but they kind of pervert it. And I mean, maybe it's one of those things that they use it for as long as they can until the gig is up and they move on. The next thing, maybe there was some sort of social force within the church where they're starting yeah. to realize that, like, I don't know. They're, they're, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell, but it's whatever definitely they, whatever, they can, whatever, whatever they can use to convince people that the state is ultimately inevitable and legitimate. Like, yeah, that is those that's the tool set. That's the mission. So it's like whatever's at hand, you know, and so right now I think that's what's what's at hand. And it's been very effective. You know, we're we, we can sit here and talk about how, you know, what whatever we think about uh, the 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 sickness thing, whatever I'm allowed to say on YouTube about it, you know, right, I don't care. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get everybody else's social media banned. But anyway, yeah. I'm backed like, up on Odyssey. Go follow me. on Odyssey, right, guys. <laughs> I mean, I have like 80 followers, but <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, but, you yeah, know, yeah, this is something I have to think on a little bit because I haven't thought of it in that way. And that's an interesting way to put it in a, yeah. kind of an interesting social phenomenon. Um, let's move on. I kind of want to talk about you brought up how you voted for Trump in the most recent election. And I don't, I don't necessarily care, but I, I'm kind of curious. So that gives me the vibe. You're more of the paleo bent, uh, the paleo libertarian, or whatever. I'm just kind of curious where you're coming from. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so I voted for 
Gary Johnson in 2016. Uh, but I laughed out loud when Trump beat Hillary. So mm. like th- seeing seeing her go down, I you know I was I was enough uh, of a of a Trump fan to to recognize that I felt that the establishment was more dangerous than Trump. So that I had those thoughts back in 2016, but I, but I wasn't, you know, MAGA, I wasn't Trump. You can't see my old Facebook history because my account's gone, but like, you know, I was just always still critical of a bunch of things of Trump and in 2016, 2017. But what I saw was I saw that the establishment hated him and wanted to get rid of him by all means. They wanted to destroy him. I saw the media starting to, you know, do what it did, you know, trying to convince people that like Trump was some sort of fascist. And it's like, you know, all of that, he's the next Hitler, all of this hyperbole. And then all of the different scandals they threw at him, you know, um, and I was just like, why, why is this guy so dangerous? Like, why are they trying to get rid of him so bad? And I was like, I didn't think Trump was a libertarian, you know, it's like, I didn't think he's like, you know, gonna free us, you know? No, I didn't think that at all. But I was like, what, what's, what are they scared of? And then that was really what led me to clarify some of my thoughts around what I think is, is ultimately my thesis right now, which is like the, the, the errors of the right, uh, or the dangers of the right are, are nothing compared to the dangers of the left when empowered with academia, Hollywood, big tech, woke corporate, um, you know, the regime uh, news, all of that. Like those are the cultural shaping forces that make what Joe Biden's administration and the left is doing now possible. And the right doesn't have it. And I don't think they'll ever have it in the way that the left's got it. And so as that started to clarify for me that I, I understood that. Then the other thing I understood was that as we were moving towards the election, I started to think like they've got to get rid of Trump by any means necessary. They're trying to throw everything at him. And when everything started going down with COVID, I was one of those people that I was like, there's something about this that is like all about Trump. They're going, they like literally will shut down the economy to prevent him from becoming president again. And so the other thing that occurred to me was I was like, listen, here's a guy with international name recognition, fame money, like everything no libertarian candidate will ever have, okay, actually becomes president by like accident or by whatever, not supposed to happen. And the machinery and the deep state or whatever is going to destroy him and get rid of him. And they're going to do whatever they can. And I was like, if they can do that, our little dreams of like, oh, you know, if they can do that to Trump, like guys, John McAfee, isn't going to be president, you know, or whoever you want to, yeah, Dave Smith. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But he doesn't, and, not to say he thinks he's going to, just to be no. clear. clear. <laughs> yeah. But this, this whole idea of like what our options are as far as like, who can we install at the top and like how effective the LP is going to be in that. And like, it, th- there was just a lot that happened to me as I observed Trump. And so as about the 90 days closing in on the election happened, I was like, I think I'm going to vote for him. And I was like, I'm not voting for him because I think he's awesome. I'm like, but 
I mean, I thought his Twitter feed was awesome, but like I'm voting for him as a self-defense measure and to buy time because right now there's a vacuum and what will step into that vacuum? Like, and, and, you know, we're not ready for freedom, like as a whole. And so I was like, and per personally, I want to buy time. Like, I'm like, I want to stack more money and ammunition and acreage, you know? And I'm like, maybe I can, that can happen over, you know, another four years or whatever. And so that's what led me to do it. And what's interesting is I found out in the aftermath, a number of my friends who are very libertarian, very anarchist leaning, also voted for Trump. And they were able to articulate a lot of the same things I just articulated. And so I was like, man, I'm not alone here. And then that was the other thing I thought was really interesting. And I think it's a really significant point is that Trump increased his vote total by like 13, 12 to 14 million over 2016, given everything they threw at him, given everything that happened in the media, getting impeached, freaking all that stuff. He was more popular. Like they like to tell a story that people, there's so many people that hated tr Trump that they voted for Biden. Well, that's fine. I, I can go with you there. But I'm like, what do you do about the fact that the guy is actually more popular? Ob Obama didn't get more votes a second election. Like, it's just it's crazy. So when you really look at it, you're like, what really is going on? And so that's uh, those are some of the things that started to open up for me. And then, you know, honestly, after on election night, when I was watching the returns and actually as that started to go down and in the, you know, I had some questions about some things I was seeing, but like what really attracted me to start making a movie on the Stop the Steal movement was I saw Tea Party vibes happening. It reminded me a little bit of what happened in after the, the, the Ron Paul movement, then when the Tea Party started coming up. And like I'm a person who thinks some good fruit came from the Tea Party. You know, I think Rand Paul is good fruit. I think Thomas Massey, I think Justin Amash, I think these guys who were able to get into positions of power and have platforms like Rand Paul taking it to Fauci, that doesn't happen unless he's a senator. You know what I mean? Nobody cares what he has to say about it otherwise. And so, but what I saw different when I first started looking at the MAGA movement, I was like, the difference is, is these guys are kind of inoculated towards the establishment. They have this deep suspicion of the deep state. Like, Trump was really a third party candidate who won through the Republican Party. That's what I believe. Jeff Dice has talked about that. I agree. And so you had this group of people who were actually suspicious of the insiders. They're trying to primary a bunch of Republicans right now who wouldn't admit who wouldn't side with them on the election or on Jan 6. They're like, OK, fine, you're out. We're going to put in these radical other people. And I'm like, I'm here for it. So. I think that the fertile ground for liberty when it comes to distrust of government, intelligence agencies, also with Afghanistan now having this like suspicion of like generals and like the military overall, like, man, this is kind of a grift. They're, they're starting to get that war is a racket, which we've been talking about for a long time. And it's, it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is all good for the American mind. And then the distrust of regime media Man, that is a big deal. Like when I first started going to some of these stop the steal rallies, because, you know, if people who are paying attention to the returns, you know, one of the big things that happened is that Fox News called Arizona for Trump really early. They were the first ones to do it. And 
So I would go to these rallies when we were making this movie and I'm hearing a bunch of Republicans chanting Fox News sucks. And I was like, dude, you never would have heard that. You know, back in the Ron Paul 08 days, we had people throwing snowballs at Sean Hannity, but that was the Ron Paul people. Everybody else hated the Ron Paul people at, at Fox News, you know? And it's like now you have the, a lot of the MAGA people who are like, Fox News is as bad as CNN. That's good. All of that stuff, I think, is really good for the shift in people's minds and being open to some of the ideas that we might want to talk about. Yeah, no, I mean, you think about like 2016 Fox and 20 in like Fox now, it's like such a different beast. It was like, or, or I guess maybe more like 2015, but like uh, uh, Trump on the campaign trail when Fox was just coming at him all the time. It was yep. just, it was nuts. They, they just, they showed their hand. There's definitely a lot of benefits that came from this. Like, for example, on the libertarian side, like I feel like it got a lot of their heads, up, a lot of our heads out of our asses because like you brought up, that's a third party. It's, like, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm younger or like maybe I haven't been a libertarian as long as you. But I, I got the feeling, at least me personally and then other people I know, that they had this vibe of like, oh, one of these days we're going to get a libertarian and they're going to they're, we're gonna get them in on the federal level and they're, we're going to change things. And it's like Trump really was like, the fuck you are. <laughs> like, yeah, like I, I, I mean, sure. I know with like, say, with Dave Smith now, like you, you can maybe make the case for messaging. Sure. I mean, that's a whole other argument. But. Any sort of like you're going to take political power at the federal level, you can just throw that out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think this is a good point. You know, when the Libertarian Party was started, you know, and I believe Rothbard talks about this in For a New Liberty. I could be wrong. But um, this idea that like you got to put yourself in and you got to understand that the spread of political ideas was was didn't happen easily outside of the major networks back then outside of political parties and so like it was really important to like get be legitimate and get a podium up there on like freaking abc or whatever or get on top the radio news because you're a presidential candidate or whatever and a lot of that i think even then was about education exposing people to ideas well what happened is that that's not necessary anymore like we can find our political tribe. We can be exposed to political ideas to the degree they don't shut them down now anywhere. And so now I think the LP has a, a relevancy problem because it's like, oh, wait, are we here to message or are we here to win the election? You know, and I'm like, listen, I'm I'm a fan of Dave Smith being a, the presidential candidate because I'm like, he can get he gets on Joe Rogan. He gets on Tim Pool, you know, and it's like, Yes, we need articulate people who can message liberty to get on platforms that can reach 10 million people. That's a win. And it's like him being the LP candidate doesn't hurt that. Like, you know, but Dave can get on those platforms anyway. But I think it gives an excuse and a reason to actually put them on there. So I think it can work to the benefit. Like um, what I don't want is people who can't articulate liberty or people who don't have like a solid paradigm or worldview that's consistent out there representing it. You know, that's one of the things that, of Ron Paul, even when people would criticize him and didn't like him, you know what they'd say about him? They'd say, man, but he stands for what he believes in. Yeah. That's the, that, that's the way it's supposed to be. Like that's what we're supposed to represent at the, at the cornerstone of libertarianism is integrity is having a belief and trying to stand as firm as possible for it. Now, I know that that brings into question this idea of like, well, then how could we use the local GOP or vote for Trump or whatever? And it's like, yeah, this is 
this is a complicated uh, discussion about what do I, what am I trying to do when I'm messaging liberty to the minds of other citizens and other people that are in my, in the world, and when I'm trying to seize the levers of power to try to move the world towards a more free place. And uh, so I think that's a it's a nuanced and complicated discussion, and it's one that I'm glad is happening right now. Yeah, and to segue kind of a little bit into the election fraud, which we'll get into, I do think the uh, the aspect of this happening too on the flip side with, uh, I mean, I brought up the how it kind of positively affected the libertarians. I think it positively, at least for our ends, affected the, the Republicans that now, like you, you've gone to before, is now they're completely disillusioned. You have this people that they completely just stamped down and tried to gaslight and just weren't having it. And I mean, whether, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I think every election to some extent is fucking, is, 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 uh, is, is, has fraud or, I mean, I mean, and it's like, the question is like, to what extent, I mean, I don't know, whatever. I don't care. I mean, I, I have, I have no problems believing that the election was stolen. Do I, do I think it was, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I genuinely don't care, but I know a lot of people do. And now we have these people that are like, Hey, look what they're doing. Come over here. So uh, that was a rough segue, but let's get into the election. Yeah. Front. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll break this down as, yeah. as clearly as I think I can. So first of all, I believe that we have to have voice and exit for us to have freedom, right? So we have to have the ability. Okay. It, we either do or don't have the ability to uh, the ability to vote the bums out, right? Okay. We either do or we don't. That's like voice, you know, in the political process. And then if not, we got exit. It's like, okay, I can go somewhere else. All right. We're seeing that at risk these days. Okay. So it's like without those two things, I don't think we have anything that looks like freedom. So I think it's important for us to know what we're dealing with. So I think we need to be really clear about what's going on. It's like, there, there's a way that sometimes libertarians can be flipping about voting. It's like, oh, I don't vote. Voting doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, it's all rigged. And it's like, no, but is it? <laughs> like, but is it? And does the does the state and the media use and and all of the other forces? Again, this goes back to anatomy of the state. You know, do they set it up as a legitimate process to then get our uh, us to agree to the terms? So it's like. It's more important to get people to understand that if it isn't legitimate, that it's not legitimate, right? That's a that's a red pill moment for people because the fantasy that it is is where the power is, right? And it's like whether or not you participate in it or not, right? And so, um, so that that's what I think is critical to understand. Well, what what ended up happening for me is. I started to make the movie that, you know, and people can find out about the movie at thesteel.com is our website. And, um, you know, I, I was like, well, I'm interested in finding out what's going on here. I don't know what happened. And so what happened was I just ended up connecting with Ali Alexander, the guy running the Stop the Steel movement um, on Twitter. And I was like, hey, uh, what if we come out and film some stuff? And he's like, Okay. So we, we met up with him. We started filming in Georgia, like in November. And the next thing I know, I, we were like basically on the road for 10 weeks, just going all over the country, meeting people, interviewing people, talking to people, going to all these rallies, you know? And so like, I'd never been to a Trump rally in my life. The first one I ever went to, I was in the freaking front row it was insane and filming, you know, it was like, what am I doing here? But, um, 
what I started to see was that the case that was being made, and there was a lot of confusing stuff going on about this. You had people like um, Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy out there, who's like giving himself over to election fraud. And frankly, I personally think that most of the rabbit trails he was going down don't go anywhere. My personal opinion. I think there was a lot of misinformation. I think there was some grifters about, you know, um, I think there was a lot of fog of war to cover up from where the real fraud was, which was this, that under the cover of COVID, state constitutions were overridden by bureaucrats. So to the degree that constitutions matter or should be followed, and like we can get into a conversation that's like the constitution is just a piece of paper. Yes. But to the degree that there's any rule of law that's to be uh, uh, followed, uh, that there's any accountability for at the state and local levels, like this is it. And what you see is that um, certain individuals at certain levels in different key states started to loosen many of the safeguards around uh, absentee ballots, around signature matching, around uh, you know, allowing election observers, having to put people six feet or more away from where the ballots were being counted. A lot of things that were happening, and again, all under the guise of COVID. There were other states that um, just mailed out absentee ballots to or vote by mail ballots to every registered voter in the state. One of the things this brought up was that the voter rolls are totally not cleaned up. They, there's people who've not been living in states for years. You know, then there was things that were going on, like there was um, illegal ballot harvesting or tables set up in parks where they were getting people to turn in their ballots and then they were turning those in. Then there was no chain of custody in the mail-in drop boxes that were supposed to be under 24-hour surveillance. And there were supposed to be log books of who, who took them and moved them here. All of these things that were in place or supposed to be in place, they were they were removed. And in many cases, it wasn't done through the legislature, how it was supposed to be done. It was done by a secretary of state or an election board member. Right. And so this this covid thing became this blanket reason to abandon all of the solid and sound practices around some of the, these voting processes. And so for me, that became the most interesting thing for me. Number one, because I also believed that there was a lot of what was going on with COVID that had to do with getting rid of Trump. You know, I think, I think that if you understand the, the mindset of, if Trump's literally Hitler, or you've drank that Kool-Aid that he's like the fascist in waiting, then anything you would do to prevent a second term is moral. You know, like you yeah, can even gotta get fortify there. this election. Exactly. <laughs> and so I'm saying it from the standpoint, it's like, is it a conspiracy or whatever? It's like, listen, there were a lot of people who actually thought that whatever could be done or had to be done or should be done. Right. And so that happened in a number of key states. Then there's also a really interesting story about the half a billion dollars of money that Mark Zuckerberg moved through these different nonprofits to set up these different organizations. And listen, speaking of fortifying democracy, there's a great Time Magazine article that really lays a lot of this out. And it's it's almost a brag, people. Like you read it 
And they're basically saying, hey, this is all the stuff we did. And this is a good reason why we did it. We can't, Trump couldn't win. And now they don't go so far as to say, oh, yeah, we violated the Constitution to do it. No. But um, so you, you've got a lot of things like that that are that I think is, is the crux of the matter. And when people recognize that there's only roughly it's about 50,000 votes across five states that made the difference in the election. Um, and then there's other bits of data that you start looking into where you're like, oh, wait a minute, these different bellwether areas didn't trend that way. Oh, why didn't the Democrats win the state legislatures? Like, oh, why didn't? And so, you know, there's a lot of circumstantial evidence. There's a lot of other stuff. And then there's there's been what what's also been true is that I, I would encourage people also to really recognize this. You know, there's basically three pieces of content that will get you banned from the platforms. It has to do with COVID. It has to do with the elections. It has to do with Jan 6. We know what many of us know why COVID stuff is going to get you banned. And it doesn't have anything to do. This is, this is, a, this is a hot episode. Dude. We know why. And I'm like, listen, all I'm asking you to do is consider that maybe the same thing might be true for these other two topics. And when we when we fast forward and get into Jan 6, and again, the reason I've got two movies going on right now is because as we were following the Stop the Steal movement, we stumbled upon this guy in December who was drumming and chanting in front of the Supreme Court. And we're like, that guy's kind of interesting. Uh, then we saw him in Arizona wearing these horns and face paint. And then when we were there filming on the 6th and his face, the Q shaman hit the internet, we happened to be there and have a cell phone number. And so we texted him and he interviewed with us on January 7th, two days before he was arrested. And he's been in solitary confinement almost the entire time since then. And so we ended up realizing we had two big stories and, and they had to be separated. And so, and what I want to say is the reason Jan 6 is so important to me, and I think should be important to all libertarians and anybody who loves freedom is that Jan 6 is being used to usher in the next Patriot Act 2.0. And the and the last time I looked, I'm still taking my shoes off at the airport. You know, it's like I don't even know if you were born when 9-11 happened, but probably shortly <laughs> after you were. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm, I'm it's 30. Like, so I was right, like, cool, yeah, like nine-ish, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a part of your life forever, right? You know, yeah. it's like it's like and it's like the the Patriot Act 2.0, what they're trying to use uh, 9-11 to demonize um, political protest and the right. Um, that net is way bigger than just MAGA. You know, we're a, we're a rounding error. People who are true libertarians and truly love liberty are like a rounding error compared to MAGA. It's like they can send a bunch of us to the, you know, Gitmo and nobody even notices. So yeah. anyway. Yeah, I want to yeah, back up a little bit because... Uh, you you touch on the uh, we touch on the fortifying election in the in the article. If you haven't wa read that article or uh, or maybe even like seen someone break it down, I don't think I ever read it myself. But I think I watched a uh, I watched a fucking episode with Pete Quinones. I, I mean I don't know. Maybe someone can drop the link somewhere wherever I drop this or in the comments on this or whatever. But he broke it down with I believe it was Vin Armani. He did he completely did like they read it. They literally read it. Kind of gave their own opinions. That go if you are literally center left anywhere from center left to the right. If you have a brain on you, like your jaw will drop to the floor. Like if I mean, I guess if you're further left than center left, maybe you'll be like, oh okay, you know. But like 
like I'm, I'm even saying like center left, like a reasonable lefty will be like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, it is wild. But then also to kind of connect it to the, the Zuckerberg thing that you brought up. I don't know if you were aware, but there was a lot of like algorithm stuff where they would be like, Hey, go out and elect, go, go elect, but uh, go up to the, uh, go out and vote or whatever, like prior to it. Um, there was a lot of algorithm stuff going on around that time where they showed people showed foolproof evidence of like, Hey, they are tracking your political tendencies and they are far there. You're far more likely to get this notification if you're of the left than you, if you're yeah. on the right. And if you do not believe that, that like major tech corporations are arms of the state at this point, I have a fucking bridge to sell you and, or whatever the fuck the saying is like, yeah, you, you just aren't thinking at this point. Like, and like we were going at earlier with, with fascism, like that is what's going on now. Like, these this whole private public thing if you're thinking of private public in a binary you need to shift your thinking it is a spectrum at this point everything has been pervaded by the government especially large corporations and they are they are basically arms of the state at this point so things like facebook like they might as well be the state so and we talked about how thin of a margin the election was and it's like you know think about the four years of these major uh, of of the the media which is once again in major court i mean for, you don't even have to go to kooky uh, operation mockingbird which, which is not even kooky that's like a confirmed right. shit <laughs> but <laughs> but even that you can these are corporations that are essentially to some extent owned by a state like this is like there's clearly you know like government involvement at some level like yeah it, and this has been again we're dealing with such a small margin with whether it was straight out full-on fraud if there hadn't been that like that involvement it's it's there's no doubt in my mind that that trump would be in in office you know what i mean like so and and, you know we could have we could be sitting here and be like you know this is where you also get into the question of like well are we any is trump any different than joe biden and it's like guys yes kind of like and and (laughs) He's not a libertarian, okay? He doesn't claim to be. Like, okay, it's not like, all right, the Federal Reserve is shut down and, you know, it's like, no. But it's like the 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 battle now is it's the counterculture versus the establishment. Like that's really what it is, and I think that there's a transpartisan populist uh unity that can happen you know, uh, that is available to us that will allow us to come together. Um, and I also think, you know, one thing that Tho Bishop, I think brings up and it's like, it's like federalism is coming back people. And this idea that like, Hey, we can just create freer States and give the finger to the federal government guys. That's powerful. And, you know, it's more, uh, it's easier to achieve, but if we have, elections that are questionable to put in the bought and paid for candidates to do the bidding of the freaking great reset like that all goes away like um you know we've got to fortify the states you know we got to fortify federalism you know right now uh now that we know what the game is and so you know i think there's important work to do that we can do to make sure that hey even if the federal government goes off the rails uh, more than it is like we've we've got ourselves fortified in certain states in this country because I think geography matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think at this point, if you're going to be I, I'm I'm most people know that Paul is show I'm more of the aggressive. But I don't even really think I don't think necessarily you should even be involved, period. But if you're going to be, 
just ditch the federal like in, in, in all together at this point i kind of want them to go off the rails but at the same point i want people to be like you know basically you know eating eating desantis's ass and being like how great you are and stuff because <laughs> like i want him to like have such a big ego about how great he is and all the things he's doing like i want him to keep going and i know a lot of people like complain about like things like some of his uh, anti-mandates or whatever and like and like, yeah, I'm sure I, I obviously like it's kind of like there's parallels with Trump. Like I can find things to complain about Trump. I'll be honest. I, I think he should be in prison for some things. But I also don't you won't find me screaming and crying about it. And I won't be complaining about how mean he is to minorities or whatever. No, I'm like legit have legit like, hey, well, you know, like, you know, because of war crimes, blah, blah, blah. But like it's, it's not this like touchy feely like he was mean. You know, like, yeah. and so, like, so the same point goes with, like, DeSantis would, like, say something like the anti-mandates. Yes, I'm sure, like, with the, the COVID thing, I I'm, I would prefer that he had not, like, had small businesses were exempt from, like, some of his mandates. But at the same time, I'm, like, I get how legislation works. They don't, it's not a, it's a hammer, not a scalpel, or whatever yeah. the hell the saying is. So it's, like, whatever. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and complain about the minutiae. I'm, like, I kind of want him to keep on going. Keep on separating yourself as far as you can from the, the the federal government you know what i mean like so yeah that's that's i just think at this point all efforts should be abandoned federal wise in my opinion so well and i'll and i'll use your analogy a little bit more it's like hey uh if if you have like an artery that's open and you're like in the forest like you're going to use like a really blunt tool to try to stop the bleeding you know they're going to freaking whatever's at hand like so, jumper cables i'm right laughing around my arm to stop the bleeding it's like yeah that's not very nuanced like yeah no i need to get to a hospital get some you know skilled person to help fix me up and it's like the question is are we like in like emergency triage mode in some of these areas. And like when it comes to this thing of like the federal government saying like you get the jab or you're freaking out, you have no job. It's like, that's like a, you know, that's like a, I don't know, a massive bit of artillery coming at you. And like, maybe all you got right this second is like this, you know, big, heavy, you know, counter artillery. And it's like, yeah, can we refine this stuff a little bit? Yes, definitely. Um, so, but I think we're at war. And I also think one thing we need to recognize when it comes to like the NAP, you know, is I wake up every day and I'm being aggressed upon by default. Mm -hmm. There are so many aggressions that are already layered in and you know, codified <laughs> in this nation that like, I think, I, I'm in self-defense mode always already, you know, I'm in, I'm under duress. We're all under duress. And so I think we need to also just think about that a little bit. And it's like, you know, what, what does the NAP mean? And what is my relationship with my fellow man? And, uh, you know, how do we come together and recognize that the, the tools and levers of power are being used against us, whether we like it or not. So how are we going to overcome that? And, you know, I don't think it's it's overcome by, you know, like another uh, Rothbard white paper. I mean, I think people should read Rothbard, but by and, and, the, and the vast majority of people don't value liberty. They want they would rather surrender responsibility and be taken care of. And I think we also need to get real about that. We need to get real that there's a remnant out there that this resonates with and that we may need to be finding ways to get geographically connected to each other um, and go for solutions. New Hampshire's ahead of the game on this, I think, but it's like, it, we're not going to convert the world guys. It's not going to happen. 
Well, that's the thing. We don't need to convert them. What we need to do is create incentives to want them to come along our way. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, that. So that's kind of the point of, do you want more libertarians or you want more liberty? Like, I don't give a shit if someone's a libertarian. Genuinely, I, I mean, I guess I kind of do. But at the end of the day, what I care is, is your actions, are they conducive towards liberty? That's what I care yeah. about. So if I can create the incentives to drive you that way, whether it be wealth, prosperity, whatever, like, that's what I want to do. So, you know, well, uh, but let, go ahead, I, I know we're off topic. I know we moved off topic, you know, but I, I did want to talk a little bit more about uh, uh, Jake Angeli and Jan six, if I can. Yeah. That's what I was about. I was trying to rough segue into it, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Right on. I'll just jam us in there. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I think is, is interesting is that, so there's over 600 people who have been arrested uh, for Jan six activities. Uh, I think over 200 people have been in solitary confinement for almost the entire time. And the department of justice has not produced discovery for many of these defendants. Some of them have been in jail for six or seven months, video footage that is, is, is the evidence, right? That they are supposed to produce so that the defense can know like what the case is against them. That's not been produced and they're slow walking it because of the mountains of footage. And so what's started to happen is you've got all these defendants who have lost their jobs. Uh, the, the felonies that they've been charged with is uh, interrupting an official proceeding. OK, so that they interrupted Congress to maximum 20 years and. Um, they're using that as leverage, in my belief, and you know, seeing what's been happening to get people to plea out, because I actually think the government doesn't want these cases to go to trial. And so in the case of Jake, the thing that's very interesting is, is, you know, we, you know, he became this meme instantly and then we interviewed him and he told us exactly what happened, you know, and at that point there was no footage out yet. Like it was chaos in January 6th, like depending on where you are, it was a different look different. And so he told us that day, he's like, oh, dude, I walked in an open door, went inside, went up to Pence's chair. We said a prayer. I'm like, wait, what? He's like, oh, yeah, we totally got together, prayed over the Senate, you know, prayed that God would get rid of evildoers. You know, he's like, I wrote Mike a, uh, a note that said it's only a matter of time. Justice is coming, you know, and I, he's like, he's laying out everything he did. And he's like, didn't think he did a single thing wrong. He thought maybe he he might have a trespassing misdemeanor, but he's like, it's the people's fair, house. He didn't. So what was <laughs> to that? Be fair, to be yeah, fair, right. he didn't. So <laughs> yeah. So he didn't even think that he was going to be in any real trouble, you know. And so he's telling us everything. But what's interesting is that as footage started to come out, like there's not a word of his story that didn't end up being true. And as we were talking to him, one thing people will know when we get this movie out, and this movie is called Q Sent Me. Uh, and uh, QSentMeMovie.com is the 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 link to that. Um, but we we recognize that Jake was a really intelligent person. He believed a lot of things, you know, about you know the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Founding Fathers. But then he also was like really believed in nonviolent um, means. MLK fan, like Jesus Christ fan, could quote the Bible into a lot of like new age beliefs, probably taking some uh, mushrooms along the way. And, um, you know, but but a very peaceful person, very well-spoken, not violent at all. And um, as he got arrested and then it, we realized the gravity of the situation, we started interviewing friends and family of his, found out that, like, he's the kind of guy who catches flies and releases them. 
You know, he doesn't want to like kill anybody. And yet he was being positioned as the mascot of Jan six somehow like maybe even collaborated, you know, he was going there to kill someone with the spearhead on the top of his flagpole. And, you know, the whole narrative of Jan six being worse than nine 11 being worse than the civil war, you know, is this narrative that has real human cost right now. Like, Lots of people who all they did was walk into the Capitol. Some people who weren't even there inside, they're outside, you know. Um, and there's even people who haven't been arrested who have had massive uh, things happen to them. Like, you know, many people are familiar with Nick Fuentes. Uh, people don't like Nick. You know, he's got ideas people don't like. But Nick had a half a million dollars seized from his bank account, was put on a no-fly list, because the government opened an investigation on him because he was present on this at the sixth, like no criminal charge. And so when you start to see what's going on and, and Jake is the kind of guy that we're using to tell this story, because we have this exclusive interview with him, we've got all this information and he's really interesting. The broader thing is like, listen, if they can do this to MAGA, if they can do this to the red, white, and blue grannies and the freaking, you know, people from West Virginia and the guys with the big Trump flags on their trucks and the 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 strange guys like Jake and hold them in a U.S. Gitmo, you know, in D.C., um, then this is a problem. Like, it is something that we need to wake up to and recognize, like, there's a lot of injustice that's being push through that's going to come our way if we don't stop it and if the truth doesn't come out and so that that's what's really animated me to tell this story and the more i've gotten to know jake um i was just at an event with for him and they read some letters of his that he's written from solitary and man they're like moving and um i i listened to him and i'm like man nobody would read these poems and be like, that guy should spend 20 years in prison. And so he's getting ready to be sentenced on November 17th um, because he did plead guilty uh, to that felony. He cut a deal because he just didn't see a way out of, of jail. Um, so we're going to find out if he's going to get out with time served soon, which I don't think so, or up to five years he may have to spend in prison. And so we're sort of waiting to see how the story finishes up for him and continue to move through post-production but that story is going to come out people are going to find out about it and we intend on talking about some of the other surrounding things going on with january 6 but i just i just um i just really want your listeners to to see that the the bigger the bigger story of jan 6 is how it, it if we don't bring attention to it 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 will be used to make all of our lives very difficult. Those of us who value liberty. Yeah, and it's becoming ridiculously transparent at this point. You see, I mean, I'm on Twitter. Not everyone else, not everyone out here is on Twitter. I feel, I feel like, uh, but I've seen so many like blue checks or like politicians that 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 frame January 6th literally like not even ironically, and it's worse than 9/11 type thing. And it's quite insane because it's just like religious like oh you you infringed upon the sanctuary or, or whatever and it's 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 creepy and it's it is this thing that's like if you we let them get away with it it it's it's i, I mean and to tie and tie it back to like 9 11 it correct me if i'm wrong but i believe 
the uh, they use some of the Patriot Act stuff to be able to have the precedent to uh, do essentially a lot of the stuff they've done to these people. So they, yeah. they're basically treating them as domestic terrorists. So yeah, and by the way, this is something that just dropped today. So the the and so I just caught the article. So if I screw up a couple of details, forgive me. But there's a guy that's been um, held up to uh, without bail and for up to trial. And he hasn't been tried yet, but he's like all these guys are kind of in the same jail over there, like hundreds of people. And his lawyer just got him released on bail. He's been in there for months, just got him released on bail by making the case that he's changed his views, that he, that he he's become more liberal. And now he really needs to get out of there because they sing the star spangled banner every night. And he's surrounded by mag MAGA people and he doesn't agree with them anymore. And the judge is like, okay, so it's like, it's like, yes, it's, 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 you have to admit that Joe Biden is legitimate. You have to, uh, get rid of your conservative MAGA ways. You have to forsake Donald Trump. You know, uh, he's, he's not your Lord and savior. You have to follow this other God now, you know, and Repented it's like, and converted. Exactly, dude. It's crazy. And there's been a couple of examples of that. There was another guy who was, who was out on bail, but they threw him back into jail because he streamed Mike Lindell's like election summit while he was out on bail. And it's like, so it, it's like there, there's a, that's a dangerous precedent around like just having the wrong ideas. And I think that's really what's at, what's at play here. MAGA yeah. people have the wrong ideas. These are not the ideas that we have in this society. And you're starting to see that overflow into medical freedom, other things like that. And listen, man, you and I don't have the right ideas for the, for the, the regime, dude. Like no matter many regimes, we don't have the right ideas. That's the other thing I like to tell people who are Joe Biden supporters. You know, I'm like, guys, you thought Trump was literally Hitler. So you want to give the next Trump because, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Is Biden just going to be president? Oh, Kamala Harris. Oh, it's just going to be Democrats all the way down. No, it's like you're giving the power and precedent to the guy that you think is going to be Hitler. That doesn't make any sense. That, 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 I know that's a logical argument. People that doesn't sway people. But it's like, man, it's like we see it. We're like the power just expands. The people's rights just get obliterated and we're all left holding the bag. So, yeah, my money is the next president will be Republican. Like, I don't think uh, it'll be a two term Democrat here because I don't think Biden will go to the next one. And if they run Kamala, which I kind of feel like they may. I mean, things can change between then and now. I think uh, whoever comes in and you know what, that might be to the benefit of the establishment because uh, Republicans tend to be a little bit more uh, at least the establishment Republicans would be a little bit more uh, iron fisted. So uh, um, they and they can kind of use some of our language to their benefit. So, uh, and, get oh, yeah, away and, more. Yeah. and, and listen, I mean, I, you know, like I'm not, I'm not a Biden fan. We've established that and I voted for Trump, but that doesn't mean that I think a Trump coming back winning and having nothing to lose and wanting to destroy all of his enemies is necessarily a good outcome to the 2024 election. Like I'm like, you got a guy with a big ego, thin skin and a lot of scores to settle. Like, who could become president in 2024 as a result of this. And so I'm not, I'm not I wouldn't want people to think that I necessarily think that's a good idea. Uh, I'm but not going to lie. Think, it sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, if, he gets his, if he gets his Twitter feedback, I'm down, you know, but it's like, uh, it's just like this whole thing is, is, is it's, it's dangerous. And so I, I think we've got to look towards the local 
solutions. I think we need to figure out how to make those changes. I think we need to do a lot of the things that we've talked about, about making sure that we have community, making sure that we have relationship, making sure that we have personal freedom, making sure that we have a way out if they want to lock the doors on this country um, or prevent us from being able to make an income. Um, and also, you know, man, like it's important for guys like you and me to still have platforms to talk about what we want to talk about. Yeah, which that leads that perfectly leads to my next my next point. I kind of want to touch on the tech censorship that you've kind of experienced because I know uh, really this is kind of for me a plea to other uh, fucking um, other content creators like myself to get you on their show. You know, like uh, I'll call out now, like Reed Coverdale, Clint, Clint. You know, you, you guys are my homies. So like people like that, like you guys, I want to get you on more platforms because this is something that you clearly. Uh, are probably going to have an issue getting this off the ground. And I think it's something super important. And I think you need to get on every platform available. And if we want to become the counter economy, we need to fulfill our role. Like people like, like me, it has like a podcast. I mean, I'm a little bit smaller, but especially the larger ones, we're kind of, we're, we're filling the void of what the media should be. Uh, So I I think there's a little bit of a uh, responsibility uh, incumbent upon us to do shit like this. So, uh, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. And I realize that, frankly, I think people are putting their own their own channels at risk sometimes yeah. uh, because of what I like to talk about. And, um, but I'll tell you, man, it was really crazy because, you know, I, I think I had like 3,000 Twitter followers and I had like maybe 4,000 friends on Facebook. And, you know, um, when what happened was once we got the interview with Jake, um, we knew it was the only interview that existed really of him, uh, after the six. And so we put together a sizzle and it was just a documentary trailer about a guy of international significance. Right. And it wasn't like, you know, nothing in this trailer was about like how, uh, Joe Biden was the, you know, it, it, it was illegitimate. It was just about the guy with the horns who got into the Senate and who the hell is he? Right. I published that trailer on youtube it gets about six or seven thousand views within a couple of hours um and then what happened is within 12 hours facebook and twitter almost within an hour of each other permanently suspended both of my accounts and i couldn't uh get a get them reviewed it was not i couldn't appeal it it was permanent suspension never had a strike and then very shortly after that YouTube actually pulled the video down. And so YouTube's pulled other videos of mine down. We had another Twitter account that somehow evaded capture for a while for the steel movie. Once it hit a thousand followers that got destroyed. So, um, you know, and then I tried to skirt around it, get new accounts. And I, uh, I do have new ones now. We'll see how long they last, but, uh, you know, it's like, um, I was shocked when that happened. And this was back in January. And I'm not saying like, you know, I think we've seen a lot more people that it's happened to since then. But back in January, it was still sort of shocking when it happened, especially for me. And a lot of people that were in my life were super surprised. People who didn't agree with me politically, they're like, wait a minute. Because I always, I was always very conscious of having respectful conversation in discourse always created a space for that. And so no one, no one could ever accuse me of saying anything hateful, saying anything violent or anything like that. And when I recognized that it was like, I'm basically a journalist putting out a documentary and these tech organizations, I believed at that time still do. I was like, they're talking to each other. 
Like there's just no way that that yeah. happens at the same time. And so, and then when it started to come out, then in fact, different government age, government levels, local and state governments have their own portals into the back door of Twitter to recommend essentially um, certain articles that they think are troubling to get Twitter to take them down. That's the merger of the freaking the state and big tech. So yeah, so I lost uh, a lot of uh, momentum there. And a lot of the people that I was friends with, a lot of people that were, you know, throughout those 10 weeks that we got to know with big platforms, some of them are in jail right now. Um, a lot of them are off of those platforms. And so it's been very difficult to get this out. Um, I can't even share these videos often on a lot of the platforms and the trailers because they will get taken down. Um, and so I do appreciate any opportunity somebody will bring me on. I don't, I, I have the opinion now, almost no platforms too small you know, because my reach is pretty small now, you know? So, um, but I, I'm, I'm willing to come on and talk about that. And I do think that um, the big tech censorship is something that, again, that we need to rethink it. It's not a, it's not a private company issue anymore. We have to redefine what a private company is, by the way. Yeah. It's like, what does that even mean? You know, um, and so it's 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 important. Um, but I also think that there's optimism to be had around even big tech censorship and that I think that the overreaction th from big tech, it's just revealing everything. And we're starting to get into this place of like it was in in communist countries where they'd have to use coded language to talk about stuff. And it's like the let's go Brandon chant, you know, is like an example of that. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like we have coded language and we have these alternate economies and alternate platforms. And it's like more difficult to get around, but you can't suppress it. And more and more people are waking up to the fact that big tech, mainstream media and the regime are working together to put out propaganda. And I think when we get on the other side of this, I think it's going to put independent content creators in a more powerful place. You know, people don't have to like um, everything that Rumble stands for or what, whatever, but it's like Rumble and locals just had a merger, you know, uh, today. I mean, listen, it's a, that's more powerful and that's powerful. I think we need to try to leverage it, you know? Um, it, not every platform is going to be perfect. None of them are, but it's like, uh, we've got to find places that welcome this, this message because the, the remnant will find this message and resonate with it. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, once again, I'm, I'm backed up on Odyssey. So, uh, um, that's a, that's definitely a good example of that. Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of wild stuff with the. I know I got friggin' uh, dinged. I believe it was like literally right before the election. There was a ton of accounts that got dinged right before it for no reason whatsoever. Like they didn't even give a reason. And uh, I, I know plenty of people, it, but yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous at this point, but yeah, we definitely need to start creating that counter economy. But, uh, um, uh, with that, I, I guess I don't want to keep you too long. Um, go, want to go ahead and drop your plugs. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome, man. I appreciate it. And, uh, so you can find me on Twitter currently at the Jason rink. Uh, and, uh, you can find me, uh, that's pretty much where you're going to find me. You're going to find my websites uh, for the films. Go to thesteel.com. Um, you can see a trailer there. You can sign up for updates. Uh, and then QSentMeMovie.com is the movie on Jake Angeli. We don't have a trailer there right now because we took the trailer down because we don't want to impact Jake's sentencing negatively. Uh, but you can rest assured that uh, November 18th, 
we will likely launch the brand new trailer for that and it will be fire. And uh, I appreciate any support people have to help us get the message out, man. And keep doing what you're doing, dude. I love it. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to be consistent. And that's how you uh, that's how you do the thing. And and so keep doing it, man. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. Once again, I'm this is me throwing the gauntlet down to all the other content creators to to have you and other people with similar similar things like this, you know, to I mean, I understand it is a balancing act. You don't want to completely nuke your channel. But, uh, you know, I mean, there is definitely benefit to it. Uh, I do want to highlight this comment real quick because I thought it was a uh, really appropriate discontent we see now is only beginning. We are the early adopters. The state and its apparatchiks are training blue collar everyday Americans to hate the state. That's yeah. kind of, that kind of sums up this whole episode pretty damn well. So yep. uh, kind of yeah. perfect timing. Uh, but with that, I'm uh, I have the No Way Jose YouTube channel. I'm also on all, all the major audio podcatchers. Uh, I'm on Odyssey. You know, once again, I'm going to emphasize Odyssey. Uh, go to there. Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at Galisano Jose. Uh, if you want to support my work, which I mean, you know, it'd be appreciated, especially considering I mean, we never know how this might fall out uh, with this episode uh, at patreon.com. So no way Jose 2020 like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. I'm going to play an ad. If you want to stick around, Jason, and uh, you know, we can talk after. If not, that's fine. I understand. I'm respectful of your time, but I'm going to play a quick little ad and then I'm, uh, I'm out of here. I appreciate you coming on. It was, this is great. I really, really enjoyed it. All right. Thanks brother. Yeah. If you love playing fantasy football but struggle to find the right resource to help with your research, the guys at Football Insider Edge have you covered. Whether you are a season-long player, focused on DraftKings or FanDuel contests, or just like to make the occasional wager each week on a couple of games, Football Insider Edge provides you with the research tools and in-depth analysis to take your game to the next level. With their proprietary model, matchup charts, and industry award-winning content the team at football insider edge have devoted themselves to educating their subscribers helping them improve their play in a few special moments winning life life-changing money they are proud of the community they've built through weekly interaction on their slack chat channel and take great pride in helping others to achieve their goals of becoming better fantasy players as supporters of the show and of the liberty movement as a whole they are currently offering a 20 percent discount on any monthly or full season plan on their website just go to footballinsideredge.com and use the code Jose at checkout to take advantage of the discount offer today. So if you guys are fantasy football people, go check this out. It's a win-win-win. I win, you win, they win. There's no loss here. It's fucking capitalism, baby. Let's do it.